tuned in to All Things Music, presented by Liquid Sound Records. Here are your hosts, Ryan Katz and Ian Illyrian. Welcome back to a new episode of All Things Music, presented by Liquid Sound Records. Ryan Katz here. Uh, you'll be hearing from Ian later on in our interview with super producer, mega producer. Uh, I'm not really sure what title to give him, and uh, that's really up to you. But he's pretty much one of the biggest names, one of the biggest engineers, studio uh, experts in the rock format. Um, we had a chance to sit down with him, and it was really, really cool. Uh, interview very educational really down-to-earth guy uh, who definitely has worked his butt off to get to where he is today Um, so definitely soak that one in it's going to be a really really good uh, discussion Um, before that we can get to some little segments and things uh, to get us prepped for for the uh, the hour or so ahead Um, first thing I want to talk about is actually part of our new segment, Celebrity Deathmatch. Tonight on Celebrity Deathmatch. So if you have been paying attention to the Twitter, Instagram, I think it's on Facebook, definitely on Facebook, um, world lately in the rock music world, um, you no doubtly have seen the feud between the band Dope and the band Machine Head. Um, now I don't really have a what do they say uh, a goat in this fight. I don't remember what they say. I don't really have anything invested into this other than the entertainment of watching two semi-relevant bands uh, go at it, two mainstays, but two older groups in the rock world, uh, kind of bicker back and forth on the social medias. Now, I will say that Dope, and specifically Edsel Dope, the frontman of the band Dope, um, has handled it a lot more professionally than Rob Flynn, from who is the frontman from Machine Head. Uh, anyways, Machine Head came out with a song, uh, I don't know, maybe a week ago, maybe a little less than that, uh, maybe only a few days ago, that it had to be on Friday, that... Uh, had the words die motherfucker die in it in some capacity now for those who don't know dope has an extremely successful uh song from way back when they originally started called die motherfucker die and it has a lot of radio play and the u.s army navy uh seals I believe as well, have used it in their training programs. I know that uh, the American sniper, Chris Kyle, that was one of his favorite songs uh, overseas when he was doing his thing. Um, So that's just a fun fact for you. But anyways, uh, some fan on social media commented on Machine Head, uh, one of their posts, maybe it was Rob Flynn's post specifically, and said, uh, hey, looks like you guys stole from from dope. You know, it sounds really similar, and 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 I've listened to it, and it does sound similar. Um, he doesn't use the exact phrase "die motherfucker die" like dope does, but for whatever reason, the pattern makes it so it's very similar. Um, but uh, the fan, you know, fans say what they say. It's not it's not anything that Rob 
needed to address. Now, for those that don't know much about Machine Head or Rob Flynn in general, is Rob is is a very outspoken person. Um, he doesn't he doesn't ignore trolls very often. Uh, he's very much he lets things get to him easily, I guess. And I don't mean to say that in a certain way, but he he does let things get to him. Um, and obviously, he let this one get to him. Um, and to be fair, the song that Machine Head came out with was really like, like if a hip hop artist did a diss track, it was very weird. Uh, kind of just out of nowhere calling people out. Not like how like Attila does it where they do it pretty like, I don't know, with like a lot of swag or however you'd say it. But, uh, Machine Head, it was kind of cheesy. If I'm, if I'm being completely honest, it was, it was rather cheesy. Um, so already kind of not taking Rob Flynn seriously at this point. Um, so then Rob Flynn goes on this tangent about how dope is irrelevant and no one cares and yada, yada, yada. And, um, so of course dope hears about this and dope has been on tour with static X. There is rumors that Edsel dope is the, uh, zero character that is paying tribute to Wayne static, but that's for another podcast. But, uh, so, Edsel made a post on Dope's Facebook page and probably other pages that was really like eloquent and classy and factual and just said like, hey, dude, uh, first of all, more people listen to Dope than Machine Head, which he's not wrong if you look at the numbers. And he's like, secondly, you know, Dope wasn't the first band to ever say those words or, or, or anybody to say those words. It just kind of made Rob Flynn look really silly. So, you know, I think... Rob Flynn cut the he was KO'd in the celebrity death match uh, ring, so to speak. But I had to give my two cents on that because that's something that's really all over social media right now. And in my personal humble opinion, I think Rob is kind of losing it a little bit. Um, when he was outspoken before, he always made really good points, um, and he handled himself a little bit differently. But lately, in 2019. Uh, I don't know, he's sounding a little senile. I don't know if it's some, something's going on in his personal life, and if it is, then that's a whole different story. Um, but from the surface, it doesn't look very good, and a lot of people are like, hey, listen, let's not give the other guys in Machine Head crap because Rob is speaking for the band whether he intends to or not, and we don't really know how the other guys in Machine Head feel about his opinions. And if they don't like it, they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because Machine Head is still a moneymaker and it's still a good band. Um, and they go on tour as much as anybody else. And, you know, it's their livelihood. So it's kind of like, I can't say anything because the Rob will, it'll cause problems. But if I do not say anything, then it's like people are going to think that I'm complicit in this whole thing. And it's like, I don't really know what I would do in that situation. It's, Hopefully, I never have to find out. Um, but it's uh, it's definitely a sticky situation. But that's where we're at with social media and this back and forth and bickering. So I d- felt the need I had to do address that. Uh, now let's answer some questions. What a stupid question that is! What a stupid question. But I watch you a lot. You ask a lot of stupid questions. So this first question comes from uh, a colleague of mine from all the way in London, United Kingdom. Um, Sammy Enrique, a producer, goes by OB's Beats. Check him out if you need any beats as a hip-hop artist. 
Um, but he came with a whole lot of questions, so I'm only going to tackle one or two uh, and save some for other episodes. But uh, let me see. Well, what do what do I love about owning a record label? Um, first thing I want to address is that it's not a record label. It's a management agency, although it's Liquid Sound Records is the company, as you all hear in the intro. Um, records, people forget, means just a collection of music. doesn't necessarily mean that you're a record label. Um, so as, you know, to rephrase his question, what do I love about owning a management agency? I love a lot of things. One, I'm my own boss. I get to... Uh, <laughs> I used to be able to wake up whenever I want, do whatever I want, go wherever I want. Now with a two-month-old child, things change. Um, but I still have plenty of freedoms that a lot of people who work for, quote-unquote, the man, don't get to have. And yes, I had my nine-to-fives. I had my office space type jobs. Um, I'm very happy that I was able to get out of that and, and create something that has lasted for a long time and will continue to last for a long time. Um but what I love the most, besides anything that affects me personally, is I love seeing my artists grow. I love seeing us give them all of the opportunities in the world that we do, and then walking through those doors and seeing that pay off to them. You know, whether it's landing a big show, landing a sponsorship, uh, you know, talking to record labels, um, all these different kinds of things that that artists and bands are, have a really hard time doing without proper management. Um, we. Uh, facilitate for them in many different ways and it's really nice to see the reward that they get from that so um, that would be the answer to that question Um, I'll move on to Crystal Brown Uh, her question is how do you advertise and get new clients Uh, that's a really good question and I don't want to hmm, I don't want to give away any trade secrets here um, but I would say the best way that I find new music that's that I am really into that I want the label to be or the label I'm sorry I just screwed that up the management agency that I want the management agency to reflect you know because the artists and bands on our roster reflect who we are as a, as a company um, I definitely use social media for a lot of that whether it's Facebook Twitter Instagram I always go with specifically with Facebook I will go ahead and uh, I've got, I'm a member of all these groups where people post and post and post all their links. Um, and if you're one of those people, you may think that people aren't listening to your music because there's so many people that post links in these things. It's 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 insane. Um, but we are, you know, so it's definitely worth it. If we reach out to you and say, hey, we, we heard your music, um, we literally heard your music uh, in, in because you posted it somewhere. So um, never forget to keep hustling like that. Um, Self-promotion is always the best promotion um, rather than paying someone to be a middleman um, as far as that promotional aspect goes. But um, yeah, definitely social media is the best way to find artists and bands because the sphere of influence is so large that uh, we've been able to uh, really work with people all different parts of the globe rather than just locally or regionally. So that's just a big... It's a big part of, of the operation here at Liquid Sound Records. Um, so with that, you know, I will uh, give another introduction here. Eric Ron, a super producer who has produced, engineered, uh, done all kinds of studio work with artists such as Godsmack, Attila, Siler, um, <clears throat> Panic at the Disco. Uh, I mean, there's there's it's a very eclectic group of artists. It's not just 
you know, one kind of rock or one kind of metal. It's a lot. Issues, he did Issues. Uh, new, I believe he did their new album. Um, but he's definitely working with Issues. Um, you can check out his full or his selected discography on Wikipedia. He does have a Wikipedia page. It's E-R-I-K-R-O-N. Um, but we definitely got to sit down with him. Uh, the first, I don't know, 15 minutes, we're talking football because he was in town for a Cleveland Browns game. He's a big Browns fan, so as am I. And we talked some X's and O's for a little bit. So if you want to fast forward through that, I won't be offended. But we did uh, have a little bit of a gridiron discussion. Um, After that, we dive right into the music aspect of everything. And we learned, Ian and I both learned quite a bit from from, uh, the healthy conversations about all kinds of things in music in regards to the technical aspect of recording and writing and all things go into that. So without further ado, here's our interview with Eric Ron. All right, man. We're here with Eric Ron. Uh, what am I calling you? Super producer? You can call me anything you want. <laughs> That'll do. Uh, yeah, I'm, that's... I'm super, and I like to produce. produce. Yeah. Am I a super producer? That's that's subjective. That's I guess so. that's for everybody else to decide. Exactly. Um, so. You can put a comma in there if you please. <laughs> super... <laughs> Producer, um, producer. I, I can be both of those things. Sure. Um, let's let's get this off the, the board so Ian's not isolated for too long. But okay. damn, dude. Okay, so you go to the 49ers game last week. I did. You go to the. We're talking about the Browns here. You go to the Seahawks game today. Yep. Is it safe to say it's all your fault? It's safe to say it's all Freddie Kitchen's fault. <laughs> okay, so. Now, on the way up, it's we were... not my fault, but I did turn to my dad today and I said, I think we should stop going to games. Well, is your, you got, but I you assume know your record's not great. No one's no, ready to la- going to The games. last two times we went to Cleveland, they won. So Last year? Uh, two years ago and then the year before that. That's impressive. I didn't go last year because um, we were just waiting. I, I, did go to, I did go to Oakland for the Raiders game. Okay. And that went into overtime, and yes. they lost in overtime. That was a heartbreaking mm-hmm. loss. Chubb had that fun. massive run, and yep. there was that spotted ball. I remember that yep. one the spotted goes. ball. Mm-hmm. Yep, Brutal. exactly. Exactly, um, you know. So we were listening to the, the, the post game coming up. Okay. And, uh, well, I was. He was falling asleep. Yeah. Apparently, he thinks Baker Mayfield has a soothing voice. Very he's soothing. There and, like, he could write a lullaby. Well, man, when they lose, asleep. he's very, like, so, like you yeah. know, we, we need, just need to do our jobs. Not feeling nearly as dangerous as normal. No, and I don't think that word comes up anymore. <laughs> no, it really doesn't. Um, nor, nor should it. But a lot of people were calling in and, and saying, fire kitchens, fire kitchens. I hope you're not on that boat yet. I. It's week six. Well, now. I think something drastic has to happen. I don't know what it is, though. Uh, it's, it's little things. I mean, look, Mayfield threw, what, three interceptions today? Man, it's hard to keep track. Three interceptions yeah. today, and two of them bounced off players' hands. That's an so, like, issue. What's happening with bouncing players and then going up? Why don't they bounce down? It's, Is it the yeah. angle? Is he throwing the ball too hard? I, I think that's part of the problem, because Kaiser did the same thing. He but, was always a bullet guy. And Mayfield last year showed that he has that really nice touch. And But he threw the ball hard doing... last year, too. He did. He threw the ball the same. Uh, I mean, they, I don't believe Mayfield got sacked one time today. Which is so, great. I mean, I guess... Uh, they, so they did fix yeah. that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's little mistakes. Um, the, the refs really screwed us. Uh, but the clock management at the end was a little laughable 
because they could not even do the third challenge. That's what bothered when me more than anything else in the entire seconds, game. They ran out of right. timeouts, so they could uh, they could not challenge. Now I get why, but when you you have to keep that in your back pocket because mm-hmm. you never know. And Chubb walked in when that could have been a touchdown, and then Freddie. I mean, did look, what he we could have put the, the Browns could have put the game away in the second quarter. Could have been twenty-seven to six or twenty-seven to twelve. 12. One of those. Yeah, right. And uh, again, it was a deflection to an interception in the end zone. Um, I don't know. I think you just have to eliminate those kinds of mistakes, and so you. And I think that comes down to, to coaching, shorter, not necessarily Freddie. Right. Uh, Mayfield could have passed. I believe Odell was open on that play. Uh, I haven't seen that. The one thing that sucks about going to games is you don't get to hear the commentary or see the Correct, replays, right, right? right? And so you lose a little perspective from that. So I don't know what they were saying. Uh, I'm not going to any more games this year. You could be like my dad. So. He would like have a, a portable radio and he would listen yeah, at the same time. I, see, I saw someone oh, in front of me at the Niner game that had a right. radio. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it will be maybe 10 seconds because sure. of the time it takes, you know. Right. But, um, you know, it... It was a winnable game. They didn't win. I'd rather any day of the week. I'd lose thirty-two to twenty-eight over the thirty-one to three. Yes, that game I couldn't even eat the rest of Did the day. Did you stay the whole was, game? Oh, I stayed till the last second. I stayed till the last. Props down. to you because I never leave early. I, I never leave early to game. I never turn like, a game off early. No. That one was hard. This was this was hard too because we knew that we we should we should be three and three right now. I mean, they should have beat the Rams. So we should be four, four and two at the very, you know, yeah. I yeah. and and so they're just they're just not there. They got Odell involved, like they said they needed to, and it and it, the offense pretty much did their job with, mm-hmm. I believe, five turnovers. Chubb was great turnovers. again. Chubb, Chubb will be a legend. Yep. I mean, uh, Miles Garrett had two sacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and he almost had three yeah, except that one. Got taken he, back. Yeah, his usual yeah. offsides every game. Yeah. <laughs> Um, got, that's fine. I don't mind those. Really? But but it's uh, I mean, we didn't. Ha- I think we only had one holding call, maybe. It was a legal procedure call. Yeah. that chapped my ass. But that just, that blindside block. I mean, the, the commentators were like the horse collar tackle never ridiculous. happened. Um, it's it's so the wild. horse collar that they explained on TV was they yeah. changed the rule so it's no longer the actual collar if you just grab the back of the jersey at all. So he grabbed him on his nameplate instead of like the actual thing. That's a new thing. I never heard of that. Yeah, like they really bring in Mike Pereira to do. Yeah, like yeah. Because he, he said that, but he did say with that blindside block, that was awful. Bogus. Yeah. You know, just completely yeah. ridiculous. Oh no, he hit him, Jarvis Landry, and it wasn't even on Callaway. Didn't hit anyone. No, it was Jarvis Landry. Mm-hmm. You hit him right in front of him. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I think you have to tackle like looking away now, and maybe you'll get those calls. I don't. I don't know. It's a totally different game. I wish yeah. you could challenge fifteen. That's what I think needs to happen. You need to reform the. 15-yard penalties mm-hmm. that you can challenge those the yes. same way they did with pass interference and it's it's um and and it's not just the browns that are having this i think the eagles oh, are getting everybody. the eagles are getting screwed the saints have been getting screwed for years uh there just needs to be a reform on it to make it more fair or stop calling as many penalties in general just let them play yeah i'd be okay with that i'd be okay with just letting them play absolutely you know it's it's yeah. it's a bummer and um, I'm, i've been a diehard fan my whole life and I love coming here. It's like a sanctuary, and you know that it's like you win or you lose. Like that's how sports go. Or, or every once in a blue moon you tie. And we're in Cleveland, <laughs> so you're gonna hear sirens. It's lit. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> it's lit. Um, speaking of sirens and and things boiling over, there was a point in the broadcast where they 
they had to stop the game because I guess what happened was, from what my vantage point as a TV watcher, yeah. somebody threw something that hit one of the security people down on the field. Was it at, towards the end of the towards game? Towards the end of the game. I, it was in the like the corner end zone of the Seahawks, right? Okay, yes. I didn't see, there was no... I didn't know no if you had a better... Yeah, so there was a guy screaming at the people because he was getting ejected out of the field. Uh, and I was like, I was at Bottlegate. I was Oh, there. really? I was, I, everything was, was pretty calm from what I could tell. So that the Bottlegate was like that too. I was much younger, but... And yeah. then all of a sudden, just flip of a switch. And I'm like, thank goodness, because there's not... Was that in 95? No, uh, 01. Oh, 01. okay. Um, and... Thank goodness they don't have glass bottles anymore because yeah. they did then, and that's yeah. I got hit in the back of the head with one. I always <laughs> that blame that for it. That's what I'm saying. That I always blame that for stuff. Like them. Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. So yeah, we got we got that out of the way. It's depressing, <laughs> but uh, I. Uh, well, the good news is we play the Patriots in two weeks. Oh yeah, yeah, we got so that. We go that's two a, and four, yeah. and then the schedule is really easy. They can win seven games straight. After I. That. But they're almost gonna have to. Yeah, that's fine. There, as long as the Bengals keep losing. And, and the Ravens are the only contender we can, we can handle. This is what I hate, though, because we're going to go down to the stretch, and we're going to start doing all these scoreboard watchings and all these scenarios come into play. And when you're thinking about that, you're just like, man, remember that game in September? Yeah. If we had that it game? It always happens. Always happens. Last year was the first three games of the year with the f- missed field goals. Imagine if we didn't and start Tyrod. Imagine if we went yeah. Baker from the start. Yeah. He also could have got killed in week one. True. I mean, it's he anything had a concussion, and then he never played the same after. Yeah. Like, you just can't. That's how sports is. You got to get over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, having said that, I when the Browns lose badly, I don't watch sports for the whole week. Really, so I won't watch Sports Center, ESPN, because they love to hate the Browns, they do. and then they love to love them. They're they're such a polarizing team in the media. There's no just like yeah, they're fine. I think it's because of us though. I think because our we're as fan as a fan base, we're so. But we didn't hype up the Browns. The media hyped correct. The Browns this now I've what, never seen what I always said from from May. Yeah. Is that don't buy it because we've we've and I was like alone in this, but like yeah. don't buy it. We haven't proven anything. I don't care how what we do in the off season yeah. or in the draft. We're still the Browns. We're still losers. You know, we're not there yeah. yet. And people got so mixed up in it, so the letdown is much harder for those people. Yeah, yeah, it's like, for sure. But I mean, look at Mike Tomlin, the coach of the Steelers. He has not had a losing season. Not once. Not until now. And they have one championship <laughs> to show for it. Yeah. You know, look, there's so many teams that get so close. I mean, even moving to baseball, look at the Dodgers. They mm. won 106 games, lost in the first round. They're definitely a regular it's, season it's, team. It's Big such time. a, uh, it's a, sports is just such a cruel bitch. Mm-hmm. Will Especially if you're like us and your you're diehards. And keep you coming back for more. And there's so many parallels between sports and music and sports and life. And, you, you know, you can either lay down and... And say like, oh well, fuck this! I'm never watching it again. I'm never rooting in that. <laughs> or you can just lick your wounds and keep hoping for the best. So you know if the I mean? Browns were a band, what band would they be? Oh my god, that's the <laughs> best question I've ever heard. Yeah. What's a? That's tough because that's insulting a band. But is it? Yeah, I don't know. We love the Browns. Like, so band in our people world. love to hate Cleveland, man. So what's so, a band that people ask Alexandria? No, 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 no. Ask no, no. Alexandria would be like the Saints or something. Yeah, I don't, I don't watch sports. Ball and hell. it's no disrespect to, to this band, but I would say it's something like Palisades. Yeah, where like they just keep ticking and they they've never like crossed the threshold, but they're far from dead. 
Yes. And there will be something shitty that happens. Maybe a high like, ceiling. You could, I don't know, I'd, what I'd like to do is pivot that <clears> into <throat> saying that I hope the Browns become Dance Cabin Dance, which is they lose a singer, they're left for dead, and they just keep on fucking trucking and be just become Thanks. bigger than ever. Yeah. So I would like, so no offense to Palisades, because they're fucking awesome <laughs> yeah. people, their music's great. Uh, they just, I'm sure they would agree with you, they just like can't cross that line, right? Mm-hmm. Let's just hope that they become the Dance Gavin Dance of... I could see it. ...of the sports world. A lot of bands end up doing that. They start out as, as a group that just can't get over that hump, yeah. and then all of a sudden something... Ha- look at issues. I mean, yeah. that's a really good example. But they started, out, they started out with tons of hype, and it grew really fast. But I think, and then it kind of never like it wasn't like a micro relocate or something. No, just like one. It's like just things happen and labels fucked him over and this and Mm -hmm. that. I could name you countless sad stories about bands that could have and should have been and then did. Like that's that's a whole other story. But but what 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 why I relate them is that you look at this new album that they have and it's almost like and it's nothing about the old having the screamer and everything but um they seem much more free to express what they really want to express with sure i think anytime i think that goes with any band where you have like the term screaming in there's only so much you can do with it Mm -hmm. what would you scream over over a ballad would you scream like (laughs) Like, what can you do? Unless your screamer's you a clean do? singer. And if your screamer is a clean singer, mm-hmm. then why would you need two in the first place? And so, even for the Issues record, like, what we okay. what we talked about when we did Headspace was like, okay, we're not going to scream very much, but, and this was a, a in-depth conversation, like, why have two people singing? What are you bringing to the table that's different than what Tyler's bringing to the table? Exactly. You can't sing the same thing. You can't sing in the same range. Or what you know. I always relate it, and even when I was doing stuff like Crown the Empire or stuff like that, mm-hmm. it was like okay, or like even we came as Romans. You know, like mm-hmm. rest in peace, Kyle. Love you, buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like you gotta have like good cop, bad cop, or like fire and ice, or like you know, you have like rugged singer versus like smooth singer. It was like what what is each person doing because if you're if you're just like the new Blink 182 and you're singing in the same rage or the same melody, it's like, well, why even have Matt Skiba sing? We just want to hear Mark. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. That's how I feel about. No, that. I, I agree. I, and I think when you when it comes to a front man that does both, you have to have that. Uh, I hate to use the word proprietary because it's not that other people can't do it, but like Spencer from Periphery. Yeah, like that is extremely hard to recreate. Yeah, and I think that's when it's. Like good job because that's your trademark, yeah, you know. Yeah. But there are some screamer singers that's kind of like, you know, pick one or yeah. you know, focus in your 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 avenue. Because I think yeah. a lot of times when you try to do both as a vocalist, you you're what do they say, jack of all trades, master of none yeah, type of thing. Yeah. I think that ends up being the case. Well, I think you have to. I mean, when I make a record with someone who does both, I say, like, well, only, like, you have to scream when there's no other emotion to actually portray. Okay. Scream because you have to, not because you want to. Hmm. And it, that's kind of a way that I think everyone should think about screaming in general. It's kind of the goofiest thing ever, if you think about it. Like, think about that 13-year-old practicing screaming in their bedroom, <laughs> and their mom's like, what the fuck is happening? That was yeah. me. Think about <laughs> I think that. that was all of us. But, like, you do it because that's the only way you can get it out. Yeah. You know? Okay. So what do you say to the bands that only scream? I mean, is that... I don't really work with bands that do that. 
And I don't really consider. I, so I guess Attila wouldn't wouldn't be. Attila under is that. close. Yeah, it's closest, and it was because that that's just what they bring to the table. You almost have to think of it like someone who just raps, mm-hmm. right? Like um, I have a, a couple sessions coming up with this artist, Hyro the Hero, and he doesn't sing; he just raps. Mm. And I'm not going to make him sing. I'm going right. to just you do the best that you can with what you have, right? And that's yeah. his. That's his. Um, that's his therapy that's his way to get it out that's sure. his art right sure so that's his vessel so you really have, if, if someone wants to do something else they better be able to nail it you know Otherwise so how do you do balance it. that when you're going in especially with someone you've, you've you're working with for the first time yeah and you balance being someone who's like i think this is what's best without stepping on their art form um i think you just kind of get in the rhythm of knowing that the, you can't really do that and if someone comes in to, to work with you that wants that, then you, they're typically up front or it's my job to ask, like, what okay. do you want from this? Okay. And they're like, and sometimes they're like, you know what? Our shit is tired. We just, we need it. We need something new. It's not working. What can we do different? And then if they ask me that, I'll tell them. And I think that takes a lot of strength from a band or an artist to say oh, that. Oh, it takes a big slice of humble pie. Yeah. For, but but and t- typically bands aren't ready to do that right away. It's either two ways. Either they hold on to it because, let's say, the first record worked and they just that's what they want to do, mm-hmm. or right off the bat, they just want to be a success or like mold us into whatever, which, which is sometimes shitty because I want to work with people who have an identity and want, and want something. Yeah. You know, and, and an artist has to want it more than the team that's working on it. Right. Whether it's the manager or the label or the producer or the co-writer. It's like if... I've worked on sessions where where the the artist and I won't name any names, mm-hmm. but they're just like ah, I'm burned out. I don't know. What do you think? Just let's just, just start something. Mm-hmm. And you're just like like that's not exciting. That doesn't no. make me excited. Yeah. You know. But then there's artists that are like, um, AJ, the singer of Fire from the Gods. He, yes. He called me a month before we started, before we even worked together, and he like sold me. He called me. He's like, this is what I have. This is what I want to do. I know this is what what you're really good at. Like, can we can we do this? Like, what do you think? Like, you know. And I was he like when I hung up, I'm like, that's the most refreshing phone call I've had in ten years. Sure. You know. And and then he'd call me once a week just to make sure I was still excited. <laughs> and no one does <laughs> that. He's, he is so. Is that record out yet? No, it comes out November first. Okay. I believe. So that's very cool. soon. Yeah, very soon. How do you compare that to uh, the past release? It's nothing like it. Okay. It's abs- there, are, there are nearly zero parallels except for the Patois t- style singing. Okay. And, um, I mean, unless you really know that record, and I can't even honestly say I know that record front to back every song. Mm-hmm. I know the gist of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of new... Um, road that, that they paved. That's cool. I'm, I'm a big fan of them. I discovered them at a festival. I've been following okay. them ever since. As in uh, most of your portfolio, honestly. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> awesome. And especially with that record, there are songs that you, there's a style you've never heard before. Hmm. It's like trap meets no patois shit. meets new metal meets... That's like, like that's, my, that's my alley, man. Um, it that's is dope. unreal. You're going to love it. You're gonna love it. So, um, so and that that brings me to, to my next question is when you're going working with a band, especially for the first time or mm-hmm. an artist or whomever, how much research into what they've done in the past do you put in, or is that something that you don't really need to do? I think you have to kind of know where 
you have to know the ballpark. You don't have to know the stats. You don't have to know all the songs. There, there's been artist albums I've done where I knew like one or two songs. Hmm. You know, but I, but I got the gist of it. I've seen them live before. I listened to the top five singles on Spotify or something. I don't like know the deep cuts necessarily. And some artists I just know, or some artists I fucking love, and I've been wanting to work with them for forever. Like I knew, sure. I knew the Issues album long before. You know, the day the Issues record came out, I, I called my team, my managers, and I said, this band and I need to work together. Like, this is the best. This is the closest thing to what I do that's out there. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, like, a year, like, literally a year to the day of that is when we had, like, the short-form contract in my email, and I, like, showed it to him, like, isn't that crazy? It was literally a year ago. That's awesome. You know, and so sometimes you just have to go after what you want. You know, like, mm-hmm. I... I um, it's not just things that are like handed to me. I think that's how people stop getting busy. Yeah, they get complacent, and because the phone will stop ringing every day. There's a new producer coming out, you know, and so you have to be able to chase things that you love and things that that you really think you could help. Mm-hmm. And then there's other things that just they come after you. It's just the that's the balance, you know. So my co-host Ian here, he's a aspiring studio owner someday. Okay. <laughs> we we've talked about a lot of different. He's really into the technical aspects of Okay. of studios, so Sweet. I mean, I'm sure you want to up uh, my non-existent glasses. <laughs> you I'll mine up for I'll move mine up for you. I am sure you want to <laughs> bounce some things off him as far yeah, as just me. technical stuff. Um so right now I have a bunch of like UA stuff. Okay. I'm kind of curious as like what your hardware, how do you um, do your mixing down and maybe like some of your mastering chain, some of your secrets, if you can let some of those go uh, or not. Sure. Um, I So I primarily work inside the box, but my mastering chain um, is, all, is almost all outboard gear. Mm-hmm. So um, I use UA stuff from time to time. Uh, I only use it during mixing. I actually like to, I like to, track with plugins on so people who hear like if you're singing to the music it already kind of sounds mixed already like some people don't don't even start mixing until everything's tracked and it kind of sounds like shit until it's like don't worry mix it'll sound better i like to do it as i go so everyone's feeling it we kind of know what it's going to sound like what to expect and so i have you know i have what's called it's a gml 8200 eq it's like a really really nice early 90s mastering EQ and I put that on and I also have like a vintage um, SSL compressor that I put on there and then I go into this hardware unit called a black box and it's like a harmonic it just makes things fat and wide and awesome it's Hmm. really the only way to explain it and then and then back in so other than that like I don't have a board or anything Uh, but I have a lot of outboard gear that I'll track stuff with that's kind of what I do um Actually, because I use the UA Apollo okay. system. Okay. Um, so it's a zero latency, mm-hmm. or pretty damn close to zero latency, the Unison stuff. Mm-hmm. And then um, out of curiosity, when you're recording, I mean, you're talking about like kind of doing the mixing on the way. Do you slap anything on the master channel while you're doing that? Or There's always some limiter? stuff on it. Yeah. I put a, I'll always have compression on the master bus just so it kind of glues together. Like at the very beginning, even on the pro- mm-hmm. uh, beginning the of the very project. Beginning, yeah. Cool. You just include that as part of it. Yeah, because I, I kind of been 
curious if I should start doing something like that because I basically just put a limiter on there. Yeah, well, don't put like a mastering, don't put like a loudness thing or anything. Don't do that till the end. Right. But just a little bit of glue is nice. Even if it's just a little bit of compression, it just keeps things from like going crazy. That's a good idea. You know, think of it as like just tighten it up. You know, like like you knocked up, like you, like you can't legally tell you to lose weight. Just tighten. <laughs> it's like that. You just tighten up. Yes, that's good. I like that. How do you go about... I mean, and there's no one answer, but I'm really asking from your experience. How do you go about from just saying, hey, I want to record bands at the very beginning mm-hmm. to being who you are today with the portfolio that you have? It, it just starts with one. You just have to be relentless and find something. And uh, when I started, when I made the switch from an engineer, so I was working for a producer to be my own guy, it, it started with just me finding talent. Because when I, when I would hit up labels that I worked with in the past, and I was like, hey, I'm doing my own thing now. They're like, that's great. <laughs> uh, okay, awesome. And I was like, well, that's not what I was expecting. I was right. expecting people like, oh, my God, you all. No one gave a shit. So I had to find a band and make an example out of it. and make. If I wanted to work with the used, they didn't know who I was. They didn't care. The label didn't care. So I had to find a band that I, that I thought had potential and make them sound like that. And so I did that enough times to kind of just stay busy, be able to pay my rent, do that kind of thing. And then uh, I discovered a band called I the Mighty. And that was the very first band that I got signed. And I did a production deal, which is essentially when you're starting out and they don't have the money, you haven't earned the right to charge what you would like to charge. Right. You know, and you just want to make something and you just want to cover your costs and put everything you have in. It was like, okay, we'll do like three songs. And if these songs get you a record deal, then you come do an album. And so that was the first time I did that legally, like on paper with, with an artist, and it got signed within weeks. It was, uh, it was pretty awesome. But then I was like, all right, I've made it. Uh, now I'll get 100 grand for this record or whatever. And they, like, that's not, there was a one, there was a, a zero missing. And I was like, is this right? This isn't, this isn't, what's going on? And it was like very humbling to know like, hey, it doesn't really work like that. Like you're, right. no, you're nobody and we know that. And I was like, oh shit, okay. And so it just started with that and then it spiraled into another artist I worked with when I was on the engineer site called Get Scared. And that was the next artist that I worked with that kind of blew up and got people's attention. And then it kind of just went from there and it really, it had, it's so cliche but the all it takes is one like really applies to a lot of things mm-hmm. it doesn't ever quite work out how you think it will mm-hmm. so you have to keep that in mind you just but I, I didn't stop I really haven't stopped in a long time this is the first year that I've kind of learned to try to take some time and relax and refresh mm-hmm. and recharge you've just been right. going 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 and then before you know it it's 13 14 years in and you just you know I think that's the best way to do just keep your head down and keep going and and I was at every event, I was at every party, I was at every, I met every manager, I would try to take coffee meetings, lunch meetings, whatever it took, I just wanted to, people to know that I existed. Yeah. Whether or not they wanted to instantly do business with me, it was not the case. Right. You just have to slowly start building things, and, and it goes from there, you just have to be patient, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think... Uh... You mentioned this earlier at the beginning, but but you know there's a there's a bunch of you guys out there. There are a bunch of us people. It's a competition, you know. It's a friendly competition, but yeah. nonetheless, it's a competition. Well, fuck them! No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but knowing that, I mean, 
what I've learned in my limited, but I've had some experience in studios and stuff, mm -hmm. working with different producers, but it's usually about, not about the equipment as much as about the person behind the boards. Mm -hmm. And because everybody has generally the mm -hmm. best ways to record. Yep. What makes you stand out? What is your secret sauce, so to speak, that these other uh that sets you apart from the other producers that you're so you know that would that would with. probably be a better question for for my artists okay but i think what i've taken away is a the experience i think people have a more enjoyable experience i think there's a lot of people out there when you get to a certain level kind of enjoy like the breaking you down to like lift you up kind of mentality mm -hmm. and i'm a little bit more of into like constructive and and you didn't know that i was getting something out of you that you didn't have hmm. until it was done or you don't feel it i'm just pushing you and pushing you and pushing you in like a positive vibe and you know i think the experience is more important i think getting what you want without making someone like if someone does a horrible take of a vocal you're not like what was that that was a, that sure. was awful right. that was awful you know like you you would never you never say words that kind of have negative connotations and it's just a style, I think, and and at the same time, I don't kiss the artist's ass. Yeah, it's got to be a balance, especially people like, oh with my different God. personalities. You know, because a lot of people say, with other producers they've worked with, where like they'll sing it five times, like great, that was perfect, that's it, and then they're like, really? And they're like, yeah, that's it. And it's like, <laughs> it doesn't really work like that with yeah. me, but I also don't do a hundred takes till it's there. I we work on certain things, and and my main instrument is singing, and so. Vocal production is really important to me, and I know how to kind of talk singing. Okay. Like to an artist, where sure. there are some producers that are like, "No, go," ah, <laughs> instead of, ah, and they're like, "I don't know what you're saying. What? What do you? What? You know? I think if you if you know how to speak people's language, and that goes with relationships, that goes with anything. If you know how to speak people's language, you're going to get through to them a lot better sure. than than trying to instill your beliefs onto someone else yeah. that just isn't getting it. Yeah. They just you can't, if I'm speaking French to you, if I yell it at you, you're still not going to get it if you don't know French, you know? Yeah. So I think production is the same way. So um, taking all of what you said into the reason why I even found out who you were was mm -hmm. through Sylar. Sylar. Okay. Sylar, not oh, Sylar. Ryan, Ryan, I just fucked that up. I just fucked oh, up. Oh, dang. Podcast canceled. Man. Oh, shit. Um... <laughs> So that's like your favorite band. It too. is, and and there's a song that he produced, and at the end it goes. By the way, it's Siler, not Silar, and I just fucked that up completely. So, um, it's very true. Yeah, not good. But anyways, uh, that group in particular attracts me because of versatility of them, yeah. and it it's very similar to the other artists you work with. Is just there's just so much going on. Um, and you did both help and seasons, yep. correct? And there's a very distinct difference in those records. Really? I think, from think a so. listener standpoint. Yeah. But I don't think so from an instrumental standpoint as much yeah. as a vocal standpoint. Sure. And it's, With screaming. And yeah. Like, yeah. And, and just yeah. certain certain elements to that. Certain. Um, but you can also tell a lot of it has to do with where the band is in yep. their current stage of their career. And yeah. Um, I was fortunate enough, my band got to open for them oh, sick. in May, okay. so I got to talk to, to Cody and Jaden and okay. Miguel and all those guys, um, and it's just a very, it's much more, 
I would never use the word sappy because that's not yeah. the. But you you understand there's a lot yeah. more sentimental things. Yeah, it's going a little more somber. There. It's like, not as angry. So it's I think that's mature. where it translates to. But I think a lot of at the same time because a lot of the fans of that band were like, "Hey, what happened to being heavy? Now you're just poppy." And, I mean, that's and just I think the it goes with a lot bands. of yeah. I don't think the record is poppy. It just doesn't have sure. screaming. No, right. So if if that's the difference in rock, then I'm not sure what to do because. How can you grow if because as soon as someone screams, you turn off like a whole other audience of people that could sure. love what you're doing. It's just they don't want to be like yelled at. I mean, sure. you have to wonder why metal isn't popular, right? Why you're metalcore saying. isn't name the last top forty rock song in mainstream. You, you top won't be 40 able to. Rock. It's probably been over ten. I'm years. sure it's a, a well, Slipknot hit number one on the charts, but that's not a fair. Thing to do because well that's albums albums are different yes true because right. everyone has their own core fan I'm talking about top yeah, forty top, top forty radio yeah, yeah. top forty radio yes. name me one song that's not that even has screaming in it you yeah. know like x x x tentacion or whatever however you say it is <laughs> probably the closest thing because he's screaming but it's yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying yeah, it, yeah. it um it's very very tough and so I don't think people want to necessarily be mainstream radio but as an artist, you want to reach as many people as possible, sure. right? Be, unless unless people were buying houses on making metal. If that was the case, well, then Well, it all depends different. on the band's goals, too. Yeah. Because so I'm I, sure there are some bands, and I know my band in particular is very divided on this, because I do it because I just want to like have a really good time. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I want to be comfortably living doing it. Yeah, but I, yeah. I don't want to buy a house doing it. I have yeah. a career I, that I'm f- very yeah, happy yeah. with. But I have other members that are like, Money, money, money. Yeah. So it's because you want that excess, you want that fame, you want you're you're in a band because you want to do that only. No one's like, no one starts a band be like, this is going to be a great part time job, <laughs> right? Like this is your <laughs> That's art, true. like you know. And, and unless you're like a cover band, you know, like the, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't speak for everyone, but I think everyone wants to really do it. So you have to ask yourself, like, okay, like, how far are we willing to go? Mm-hmm. How far? As a band, okay, you're a brand new band. How far are we willing to go to get where we want to go? But how do you balance that? Because you could also be like knocked loose and sure. be like, this is what we do. Yeah. And people love that. Fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're not trying, their next record isn't going to be a dis- it's going to be exactly what they They're they not going to all of a sudden start clean singing. No, and, right. and you have to plant your flag early with your identity as a mm-hmm. band. And I think Siler, from, from their very first album, I think it's called To Whom It May Concern. Yes. To help was a huge jump, Big but for some reason it was the perfect time where it was just angry enough that it it grew them and it didn't alienate. Anyone. I think help was, I mean, without help they wouldn't be where they're at. And seasons was a, a big jump into what's happening next year, yeah. and it almost came out. I was talking with Jaden about this. It almost came out a year too soon hmm. because everyone is doing that. If you listen to Wage War, if mm-hmm. you listen to Thousand Below. We just had Below. Cody Chris on here last week. And oh, we, awesome. We were talking about that. Shout out, yeah. Cody. Um, <laughs> he'll tell you the same thing. Their fans are probably like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, he, t- he said that. He said, it's, it's, he said we're always going to be a heavy band, Yeah. but it's okay to evolve. Yeah, in fact, and Cody and I wrote a great song together that they did not put on the record because mm-hmm. it didn't really fit. And it was... It was, n- it was it was still rock, but it was not heavy. Right. And we all love that song, and it really bummed me out that it didn't make the record. And it sounds like they're already having enough 
shit they have to deal with from the record they did make. And so, sure, which I think um, that's a great record. But every artist is transitioning. I mean, I can tell you this from experience. People mm-hmm. are like, why do we want to scream? There's no warp tour. Where's our world? Where's yeah. our world for this? Don't remind me of that, though. You know what I mean? It's like, warp tour. there's still self help. <laughs> and I mean, God, listen to a date. The new A Day to Remember record will probably have next to no screaming on it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, we just saw them, actually, we did. too. And they're. I mean, they played a lot of their old stuff, but like, yeah, their new I stuff, think they're a great example. But they exist. They, those right. songs will always exist, right? Right, but their new stuff is very different from their old. And like, that's just mm-hmm. kind of the comparison, you know? I mean, there was a market for it 10 years ago. Yeah. Now that market has evolved into something else. I so, think it's it's very, and this is kind of what I've, what I've tried to preach with my band. My, my members are a little bit younger than I am, and... Um, just different parts of our lives, so it's you have to like, yep. really respect that. Um, but I try to preach because I come personally from a very heavy background, mm-hmm. and they come from a very what is called Nickelback. red state butt rock. <laughs> hey, red state of, rock. Yes, I know. I know, so, so I know it well. You could what, say what's cool <laughs> is is that we've almost forcibly, but not in like a bad, unhealthy way, combined the two, okay. and it's become something unique. I mean, there are artists that are doing that very well right mm-hmm. now. You know, they're kind of doing active with... I mean, look, Five Finger Death Punch is the perfect example of sure. red state heavy music. Sure. You know? Yeah. And I don't mind them. I, when I when I think of the perfect balance to me, um, definitely a day to remember comes to mind. Because yeah. when they can play a pop punk song and then a song yeah. like Second Sucks in the same set, that's yeah. pretty badass. Yeah. And then when you... Motionless and White is a great example to mm-hmm. me because, yeah, they're always got that heavier, very corn vibe I get from them. Yeah, yeah. But they, they have a song that is entirely clean vocals the entire way, except for that breakdown. I think that's my song. <laughs> Le- oh, uh, Legacy, Reincarnate. Legacy. You did that whole album, is... correct? No, no, I did okay. a couple songs. Okay, what songs did you do? Um, I did Contemptress. Okay. I did um, Unstoppable. Okay. And, um, ah, shit. <laughs> Uh, one dark passenger. Okay. Dark passenger. Okay. So that that but them in, in, as an entirety because a yeah. lot of their songs are like they're that. They're very heavy band in general. Very heavy, but they're able to just sing clean throughout and have heavy instrumentals, yeah. and then you know when that breakdown's coming. You get that awesome scream from Chris, and you're just yeah, like, yeah, totally. So totally, I think that's but really that's cool. also prevented them from active rock growth because at the end of the day, their show is metal. Their sure. live show is metal. Their look sure. is goth, right? Yes. So when you put all those together, the average listener is like either going to love it or be terrified. But I think that's right? what they want, or else they would have changed that. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Chris is not trying to make something for everyone. Sure. You know, yeah. and when I mean everyone, it's like the the masses. He's not. He's not selling out. He's just he. His favorite band in the world is Breaking Benjamin. You know, and so top three, man. Tell you that. I, I can love Breaking Benjamin, and, and so, that's a great band that screams and sings, and especially on Ember, their new new album. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of screaming on that album, but they haven't yeah. lost no any kind of traction. Mm-hmm. In fact, because he has the active ever. rock scream, it's it's yeah. um, the it's perfect because it's not overly aggressive not and it's not general. soft. No, nope. it's not really. Yeah, there's it's no not. Bleh. It's somehow not metal. <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, there's no bleh. <laughs> so I mean. Oh man, it, they're they're a unique example, and there's, and I think there's going to be an overwhelming amount of bands that are going to teeter that line. I think that's where it's going. I think that's where it's going. It's already there. It's you know, and I work on a lot of a lot of those bands. You know, having radio success and having Warped Tour success, 
I'm kind of the perfect candidate to help bring in the new the new hybrid. We, we don't know what it is yet. This is the first time I haven't had an answer of like, where is music going? Hopefully someday, I know, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, everybody who's listening <laughs> is probably like that. Hopefully someday we toot have it. the it's opportunity. it's your fucking dude. podcast. I know, toot, I know. Toot your own horn, bro. I, hey, I just think, yeah, we have, and Ian, Ian picks on me a little bit because he comes from a, a different background too with music. I've, what what background do you come from? Um, well, in high school, I used to be in a metal band. Okay. And then um, I got really big in a rave and electronic music. I make all my records okay. and everything. Cool. And then now I'm getting back into almost like southern rock type okay. stuff. Blues. Okay. I mean, so and the pendulum can always swing. You know, I think that's the beauty of music is, you know, sometimes when I'm done with a rock record, or I've done a couple in a row. I'm like, all right, I just want to focus on pop for a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially, and I'll do that. And then I'll be like, you right. know what? It's time to like get back in a little. Yeah. And I'll, I'll try to jump rope or, or just keep developing these like... I call it wavy rock. That's kind of like what I love to do is like, is a rock band that feels like an urban project. You know? Yeah. And I think, you know, for me producing so much all the time, sitting yeah. in the box, I need to do other things. Mm-hmm. If I start to work on one project for too long, I'll take a day to work on some of my solo stuff go. or something else to kind of refresh my brain. Cause you yeah. know, when you sit in front of the desk all the time, listening to the same type of stuff, yep. you start to go down a path and your ears start to get kind of fucked up. I don't know if you have that problem, but uh, I do. I tr- no, not typically. Not typically. I try not to fry myself. I've kind yeah. of been trained enough. To, I think, you know, like, right. To, now, I think you might that. not, but I think I definitely know there's bands that go into the studio that get burnt out after a long session or just can't. There's some kind of writer's blog that just can't get over the hump. Oh, sure. And it can get very contentious. Yeah, And yeah. I'm sure you... Willfully or not, have to be the mediator sometimes. Be like, let's, let's right. take a breather. Let's some, go outside. Some bands can get like that. I try not to do long days. Okay, but it's very rare that there will be more longer than a ten-hour day. Okay, right for me because I just know I've just you have to live for another day. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that other day, like the last day of this Word Alive record, we worked like thirteen hours that day or something. It was really I was exhausted and right. I, wow. I like couldn't see straight and it was like. <laughs> We're trying to get so much done. Close your eyes, you just see Pro Tools templates. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it happens, and you, but you just do it enough and enough, and you just kind of know to like live for the next day. You know, right, like sure. if, if we're having a fight at, and then you look, and it's like hour nine, you're like, well, that's fucking wild. Let's go away. Let's go do something. You yeah, know, something or away. go do something. Get away else. from it. You know. Right. So can I ask you, like, when you are going in the studio uh-huh. and do your job, what do you do to set up to kind of prepare yourself? Hey, I'm going to be sitting in this chair for. Eight or ten hours. Caffeine. Really? Lots of caffeine. I love I love working out in the mornings. That helps kind of like get my day going. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I think it's... I also don't really listen to music in my genre. I try to listen to other things or podcasts or fantasy football this or Netflix shows. Like I'll mm-hmm. typically sit in the sauna and watch a show on Netflix and just kind of like get out of my head for a little bit and then I'm ready to suck the day's dick as they say you, know? <laughs> you ever just want to because we've I've done that too when you just regenerate but you ever just have a day where you're just like I just don't want to do this today I no. just no matter what you don't no. have that Mm-mm. that's lucky because mm-hmm. I tell you what I have a lot of that yeah. lot and of it's normal out. I think sometimes you just catch someone on a bad day and they're just they don't want to they, they're just not there and mm-hmm. I try not to I try to 
allocate my time and my energy and my mental capacity to mm-hmm. really be locked in. I'm, I'm sure that I have better days than others. Some days sure. I'm probably shit. I'm sure sleep is so important. Oh, yeah, and sleep's not a friend of mine, so I mm-hmm. try to compensate with a, a lot of caffeine. Ha- hashtag monster. What's up, monster music? Shout out. <laughs> Do you got a uh, sponsorship from yes, them? Yes, yes. Do you really? Yeah. That's yeah, badass. I have I have an email from them saying, send in your CD for sponsorship, and I procrastinated for a long time. Yeah. I really got to get on that. Yeah. Um, well, do it when you need it, when you're touring and you, yeah, you can't definitely. see straight and you need, you need the... Um, the juice as they say you know i think it's great i mean it works really well for for what i do because it, i get to keep the bands focused and hydrated and energized and and cracked out and uh <laughs> you know it makes sense because it, it, it really brings people from like groggy swampy sleepy to like right. all right i'm awake let's go and the other thing about being in a studio is especially vocalists is there's at times, a lot of vulnerability shown that they don't show the public or they don't even show yeah. their family. Oh, absolutely. And that's... Yeah. Uh, it could be awkward turtle at times. I, I don't know. It I depends think on who you are. You have to open it up. You have to open yeah. it up. The studio is a safe place to be that awkward mm-hmm. turtle. You know, I mean, there's plenty of people who... They get on stage and they're like, yeah! yeah. And, then, and then they're... In normal life, they're kind of more like this. You know? <laughs> That's true, man. Just about and, every. And I love that. I love that you can. You don't have to be everything you are all the time. You can. Yeah. That's what social media has proven, right? We've all seen people who look like they have the best life possible, and then you know them in real life, and they're That's going a- through the worst shit you've ever seen. Yep. You know, and you're just like, what the fuck that, is that going Instagram on? Instagram mentality. Yep. Yeah. So. That, I mean, that obviously applies to entertainment also. We sure. don't know. The public doesn't know most of what's happening. I mean, you, know? you look at Chester Bennington as a perfect yeah, example. The yeah, guy absolutely. was always happy. Yep. All the time. And he wasn't being fake. It's no. just what the, pu- the public doesn't need to know everything. Right. Doesn't need to know inner turmoils. Doesn't need to know. You know like, There's so many artists that are portrayed to be like filthy rich and they're struggling to make ends meet. You know, and, and no one And then there's Franz who's just... Filthy rich. He, maybe he's not. Maybe. Maybe he portrays oh, it. I love that Porsche though. You see, you've seen his Twitter. I'm you sure. know, <laughs> they had. There is something called hood rich. Have you ever heard of it? It's where we're from Cleveland, man. Yeah, Akron. it's where no. like if you have a hundred dollars <laughs> in your bank account and you just spent ninety four of it. Sure. You know, like no one knows what happens to the other six, and it's no diss on Franz. Franz is is. Nah, he's amazing. You know, he's always he's always balling. He's always working hard. So, mm-hmm. but you know, not everything is what it seems. There are plenty of rappers out there who, you know, oh, spent yeah. their advance on on yeah. their jewelry and their cars, and they didn't actually keep that money, and they don't realize that that's like a three year contract. And I manage rappers no more for money. a living. Okay. I don't get paid certain times for all kinds of various. Yeah excuses and stuff yeah it's very very and money management is a whole nother thing you know the business of music is a whole different podcast in itself on on awareness and education and and the real struggles the real struggles of artists is crazy i mean it's uh it's very fleeting it's much like sports you know they have plenty of documentaries about all the musicians who sign i mean all those athletes who signed their deals and spent spent it on they're outdoing each other on who could buy the best car and then mm-hmm. they get hurt and then two years later but i think the difference between sports and music know. is sports is still institutionalized where you have staff members that are very much it's yep. a very structured thing where there's no music teams no music is so a wild you're wild on your west. own right and no one is educated 
in this industry mm-hmm. no one except the lawyers yeah and most people don't even know how to get a hold of one mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. then uh, there's things i've taught really really successful bands they had no idea what certain things were and it's it's so sad i wish when you signed a record deal there was an education and a, and a pr absolutely. aspect i i feel like that should be mandatory absolutely like here but then people might realize they don't even need the sign labels in the first place. So, yeah. You know, it's scary. It's scary because there's so much, there's so many ways you can go wrong and there's not one way you can always go right. You know? Right. So since you have a Cleveland allegiance, have, have you had the desire to work with any big bands from the area? I no. Mean, never. No. So I don't have a... I don't necessarily have an affinity to the city itself. It's sure. more about the sports. Okay. But whenever someone's from Ohio, I'm like, hey, we could hey. be best friends. They're always like, I'm from Cincinnati. Oh. Or I'm hey, from man, sorry Dayton. Luck, and then I'm a Cowboys fan. Like, Telly's from oh, Dayton. Yeah. And I'm like, we're going to be best friends. We did end up being best friends, but he's a Cowboys fan. You know? Sure. And so you're like, oh, I just never found I've, – I've, I don't think I've ever worked with other Browns fans. It's never yeah. happened. <laughs> it's never happened. Or, or Cavs fans or Indians yeah. fans. I have worked with Ohio State fans. But those are everywhere. Because it's so it's easy, easy to be an It's easy to be a Buckeye yeah, fan. That's the thing. It's not easy to be a Browns fan. And that I was, don't even know anything about That was funny that about last week with the whole Nick, or, yeah, Nick Bosa playing yeah, the flag. Because yeah, Ohio yeah. State fans were confused. They're like, what happened? So like, am I yeah, supposed we didn't, to we didn't like that. Nick or like the Browns? What's happening in my head right now? I think there are, two, there are plenty of Browns fans who are not Ohio State fans and vice versa. Yeah. I think it's not a lot of Ohio State fans are Steelers fans. I've noticed that. Well, yeah, because it's a certain part. It's like North mm-hmm. Ohio, right? So it's like you, you kind of weren't there at the... Yeah, yeah exactly. Um... Tell me about Godsmack, because that seems to kind of be not a pinnacle for you, but no, I'm very huge, proud. It was a huge stepping stone. Uh, I mean, it was a really cool experience because I got to, I got to work with a band who has been around for twenty years, and has surpassed the the level of like the Warp Tour world. Yeah. Or, oh, yeah. Even just the major label world or, you know, because I've worked with Panic at the Disco and other artists that have been mm-hmm. very successful. Mm-hmm. But Godsmack was doing this for 20 years and wanted kind of like a fresh perspective on their band. And so... I think you did a good job of that, too. Well, thank you. Definitely. Yeah, and, it, and it's nothing crazy. It's not like, who is this band? No. I think it's like, oh, that's fresh. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I didn't reinvent the wheel. They didn't want that. Like, on day one, they said... You know, we kind of had an agreement as a as a unit, as a whole team. I said, I'm going to push you guys for new things, and you tell me when we, when I went too far. Okay. You know, and so it was like, we want to be new, just don't make us Linkin Pack. <laughs> and, like, I got that. It was like, oh we want to try God. new things, but, like, we don't want to be a digital band, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was very sparing, but little little production things were huge to them because they never had that hmm. you know like they never really worked in pro tools and never worked with like really? digital they always knew their record front to back before they started and we made a lot of it up as we went and that's cool you know they would joke at the bass player robbie would joke around with me when we were done tracking bass for a song he's like did i play the whole thing I'm like yeah i just moved i flew this part here we did this yeah. here and i moved really quick and he's like i don't even know what i played what, what am i doing do i need to do it again i'm like no, you're fine, Robbie. Like, we're all good. He's just like, what's happening? You know, he didn't understand that. And like, I work very fast, but detail oriented at the sure. same time. And so they weren't really used to that. So it was new for them. 
but uh, they are so cool and grateful and humble. And, you know, um, I'm actually flying in first thing tomorrow morning, way earlier than I was supposed to, <laughs> because we're all meeting in LA and we're all getting our gold plaque for, for the awesome. song Bulletproof. That's so there's like a little plaque ceremony. So I'm just praying, that's me knocking on wood, that my flight doesn't get delayed. I will be, if I have to take an L on my brownies. No, it's not spirit. It's American. Okay, you're But good. you just never know how it goes. Yeah, my flight yeah, here got delayed a half hour, and I just went like, and they tried to move. They, they, it, it, it was almost a disaster, and I went, you know, I have a feeling I'm going to get fucked this weekend. Mm-hmm. And luckily, I mean, the Browns lost, but they didn't get killed, and that's okay. It's like win or lose. If it's a good game, it's all you can ask for. You exactly. can't, you can't, like, if you go to a game, be like, if they lose, this was all for nothing. Like, you shouldn't even go. Because, yeah. like, that's going to happen yeah. unless you're a Patriots fan. Yeah. Then you never lose anything ever. But Which, you how, know, how fun is that? That's not fun. It seems pretty damn fun. Uh, yeah, but I've fan. tried to put myself in their shoes. And, like... Well, Godsmack is Patriots fans. They're from Boston. So, on Sundays during the record... So we were in Sully's house in New okay. Hampshire, and he has a movie theater in like one area. Nice. And I and I put on the Browns game by myself or with my engineer Anthony. Uh, we'd watch the game in the theater, and I'd hear them hooting and hollering, and then they'd come in and make sure I didn't kill myself. <laughs> and they'd be like, "All right, you're good, buddy. All right, then we're losing. Okay." And that was the year they went 0 16. <laughs> oh man, that so was pretty rough. And, and they uh, just were like, "For mercy, mercy, mercy." And they'd come in and like root for me for like a second, sure. and they'd be like, "You, you, your team's the worst. What are you doing?" So you gonna text them in two weeks? I'll probably talk a little shit to Sully, <laughs> but is there a point? But I think they've got to be like almost winning. Like I think I think uh, I would yeah. tread lightly. I don't think yeah. he would. I don't even think he would text me. Mm. If, I think I'd have to text him first. I think he's probably like. Now they're the fucking Browns. Who cares? Oh, it's a walkthrough for them. Maybe. You know what? Who knows? Could be a trap game. For the, all I now. believe the last time we played the Patriots, we beat them. Two times ago. So we beat them in 2010. That was with Cole Josh McCoy. Gordon. Josh, Josh Gordon smacked them. Shit. So I think it's the last Did two times. I think it's the last two times we played. I remember that game. We did over 200 yards. Um, yep. Smacked them. It's 2013. So, yeah. I don't remember the final score, but yeah, definitely that was uh, yep. that was crazy. But um, it's been really cool. We have, I mean, we've had a lot of success together. Mm-hmm. And, and your favorite song uh, off that, that that project? My favorite song on that record is probably one called "Take It to the Edge." Okay, I really like that song. Um, Bulletproof was the first song we we wrote together. Okay, and so that one so will always be special. special right? With, with I mean, it's almost at eight hundred thousand copies sold of that single. Mm-hmm been incredible it's been an incredible journey and i'm super stoked that they trusted me with with doing the record and and i beat out some really big names and yeah that's got to be just a victory itself when i don't know if it's an email or phone call or whatever but you get that you know that's a whole nother story in itself but i mean uh i just wanted to make sure and you know and as he said to me he says if this record tanks it's your fault and so i said and if it does great it's because of me Mm -hmm. i said all right, I can handle that. And he was joking, but you know, it's uh, it's um, it's true. I mean, everyone likes to credit themselves for success and blame others for failures. Yep. And um, you know, but push come to shove, they've all been really appreciative and grateful. And so you've and never been so, a scapegoat in your entire career for for someone. Who oh, I'm sh- oh, I a hundred percent have. Mm-hmm. I've a hundred percent have been a scapegoat. How I do hear, you handle that? I hear. I don't say anything. Just. 
keep quiet and let's it's business. Be so yeah. hard. In fact, there's, a, in fact there's an artist I heard on the radio um, recently that said something about you know our uh, blah, blah blah our last person you know wouldn't let us do this and Who's this. Who's you? Who's me? Okay. And um, and now Shade. we can finally do what we want, and that and that actually never happened at all. And you know I catch people wow. lying all the time with things like that, and you know I think that's just. I think you can choose to take the high road or you can go low. Well, at least they can... were decent enough to not say your name. This is true. Um, they probably have in the past, but, you know, it's... Um, I just want to be the bigger person of it and lead by example. And not everything you do can be successful. It's and... hard because when you create something, it's your baby. Mm-hmm. And just like in real life, your, your child or whatever, when someone <laughs> tries to attack or insult that, it's... It's more than just that's just my job. Like it's it, yeah. at least for me, and I have pretty thick skin. But when someone really get digs deep like that, it's really hard to just be like zen and just not. Yeah, I mean, know. look, if your intentions are good and you're doing right by people, uh, that's all you can do because people mm-hmm. will always find a way to uh, blame other others and look out for themselves. And you can either piss and moan and be resentful, or you can just like lead by example yeah. that's what I try to do that's sure. what I tell my artists to do you know it's like we can you know like there's certain records where we are so angry at the label for failing us and I say us because when I do a record like we made a baby together it's yeah. not like that's your guys' thing you know it's like I take ownership of Absolutely. it too if it doesn't do well I'm I'm pissed I'm disappointed I'm sad I wonder if there's anything I could have done different but but I never regret any decisions made because, and well is relative too because let's yeah. you could work with Godsmack and you could work with Siler and it, no disrespect to Siler but Godsmack is on a whole new yeah. level a whole different yeah. level than that so you could you could sell 200,000 units with Godsmack but that would be yeah. relative disappointment but you sell 200,000 units with Siler and it's like damn like, exactly you know, so exactly and you know what's crazy is the first song I ever wrote or helped write mm-hmm. after I had my very first number one at radio with Bulletproof was Siler's No Way. Okay. And I felt the pressure because it was the first song. And I fucking love that song. Feeling and the pressure. Uh, no. That's no the way. other album, but I'm just The other album, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? But, uh, you know, and I thought, and we all thought that was going to be a big radio song. Yeah. And the label just did not send it to radio. And, um... It was a huge bummer, and I feel like that's still one of the more popular songs on that record. Definitely. And, uh, I had the confidence of a lion going in with it, like, this is going to go, guys. This is going to go. When they do the, they do acoustic version for their meet and greet before that I was just a, oh, a cool. bystander for, but they, and that sounds amazing. So nice. I don't know, maybe if you work with them again next record, that can be like a B-side thing. Yeah. Well, we work together in a couple weeks, so we're doing oh. some more stuff. Like Bring that up that. to them. I'd like to hear that. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? Because... As frustrating as No Way might have been, flip side, All or Nothing being on Monday Night Night Football is pretty dang cool. Pretty dope. So it's little victories. Like, you know, like I think you can really, you can look at anything. And it's subjective and has so much to do with timing and Mm -hmm. team. And, you know, Godsmack was a great lesson to me of the right band at the right time with the right team. Perfect storm. Perfect storm. Mm -hmm. And it all has to align to be a success. You know, there are, there are plenty of mainstream artists that are on the radio, but they spent so much money and they'll never see that money back. Yeah, and right. so it's a delicate line. It's a really delicate line of like f- perceived success versus actual success. And so long term versus you, short term. And the best part about making a record is you just never know. You never know what it's going to do. You can't predict it. 
as much as people want to say they and there's analysts and ARs you just can't predict it you can't predict why things happen the way they do when they do all you can do is give it the best chance to win and that's what I tell bands you know that's like wipe the slate clean this time you know all we can do is put put ourselves in the position to win yeah and that's what I mean sports is the same way it's like you you look at the footage you can look at stats you can look at your Spotify things, you can look at songs that were successful. You drive yourself crazy doing that. And most people do. Mm-hmm. Most people drive themselves crazy wondering what they can do different or or they take one song that did well and they triple down on it and it was like, well, we already had that song. We didn't want more of it. Or, vi- or the other way around. They're like, like, finally something different, you know? Yeah, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I got a tricky one for you now. All right. Let's say you're in a band. Okay. Say you're the vocalist, maybe. Okay. Um, knowing that you can't produce your own record, who do you pick? Who's number one on your list to produce? For your me personally. For you. Oh shit. <laughs> He's like myself. <laughs> I said he can't pick himself. No, I think I think even a producer needs a producer. Yeah. I think everyone needs needs a, a producer. You know, and needs someone to push them. Um. That's a great question. I would love to. It really depends on the style, though. Well, okay. If you were a vocalist right now in a band, if you were, what okay. style would you be? Would you prefer to be playing at the current moment? Probably R and B rock. Probably okay. the, the, what I write. What I write. So you what need I make. someone who's very versatile, who has a, a yeah. Wide, um, I would. I would love to work with a Terry Date or something okay. st- sonically. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would love to work. You know, that's a really, that's an interesting question. Um, I think there's different producers that do great things. I, do, I, I love Howard Benson's work. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, I love some of the classic guys, you know, but. Um, Bob Clearmountain. Bob Clearmountain's almost too old school yeah. for me. But I'd also love to work with a pop producer on a rock project. Sure. You know, I'd love to work with 40, cool. you know, who's Drake's producer or, you know, um, I think. I'd want to try to change it up a little bit. Ooh, E40. <laughs> Not E40. Oh, uh, E40. 40. I thought he said E40. 40, man. Drake's producer. Gotcha. He has MS. Yep. Really? really? Yep. Yeah. Wow, good for him. I mean, he's, he's still killing it. He's doing yeah. right. Yeah, he has to take care of himself and not do too long hours and everything. But, you know, his first artist that he like did professionally was Drake, and they've still yeah, together ever amazing. since. Like, it's he's a, a lot of loyalty. And yeah. That's all he hits now. He you does know? all yeah. the OVO now. Yeah. He does a lot of. He does even things outside. Yeah. From time to time. So but, are you, you know. kind of as as engineers and producers? Do you guys consider yourselves a family of sorts? You talk to each other and and never bounce ideas, or is this kind of like you're doing your thing, I'm doing my thing? I think it's more like just supporting people. I think on their ideas. I don't ever like send someone a mix or something like. What do you think? Like I don't. I don't sure. personally do that. I kind of like to keep my head down and just go. Mm-hmm. If you if you worry too much about what everyone else is doing, you're gonna get lost. I think bands kind of end up doing the same thing too. Everyone's chasing, why did they get that tour? What's what's you know? And it's yeah. like you just gotta put your head down and go. Yeah. And so, the grass is always but I greener. think you know, there's there's certain you know, like usually if there's a something we really like, like there's a producer Drew Folk and I, we always text each other from time to time and just like like dude, just heard that on the radio, like you crushed it, you know, <laughs> or like you know, we'll just like be there. Or like Tyler Smith is a really really genuinely nice guy and. You know, like when I see him, we'll always, you know, like we, we had some wins together with I Prevail, and so okay. it's like we'll chat. And you know, there's like, are you familiar with Ben Jiggle at all? 
Mm-mm. He, we're having him on uh, probably next episode. He's local, like not local. Okay. He's in Northeast Ohio, but he's done MGK, Chimera. Oh, cool. Kid Cudi. All okay. Those guys. So a little different format, but yeah, nice. Yeah, so that's. I thought that'd be pretty cool for you guys to meet each other. I wish, <laughs> I man. But uh, <laughs> but I'm always down to to meet people and talk shop and you know I think there's there's definitely some guys that that like we'll keep in touch and like dude your shit's awesome and I keep it up you know like mm-hmm. just things like that you know I think my personally my if I had to pick for my band who I'd want to produce it either it would be a tie between you and Ross Robinson Ross it's Robinson like, is the reason that I do yeah, this for a living like Ross Robinson when I watched the uh, the corn documentary called Who Then Now mm-hmm. and seeing it was the making of Life is Peachy okay and uh, the way that he was affecting them to get their performances, I was like, that's what I want to do. I think that's, so that's what I did. And I got to tell him that maybe like 10 years ago. Really? That was pretty cool. Because he's, he's actually one of those guys, he was the impression I was doing when I was talking about like angry, like big metal guys. And he, yeah. oh, he talks like this. He's oh. very soft-spoken. <laughs> that's and funny. He's like vegan and loves his dog. Oh. And more than, you know, he's like very soft-spoken. That's cool. But he's a fucking beast. Yeah. And, um, and so he he's a huge influence of mine and you know um, who knows maybe someday we'll get to work on a project together you never know we don't keep we don't still talk we can keep in touch or anything but you know there's some guys i love there's a mixer named ben gross that i really respect okay he did like the breaking ben stuff a Mm -hmm. lot of that stuff and um the seven dust record animosity which was like one of my favorite records of all time absolutely and even even going there like i've seven dust was one of my favorite bands growing up and Mm -hmm. i've gotten to become Good buds with Clint, who plays guitar in the band, and I have a couple songs on his solo record, and you know we're we're always talking about working on Seven Dust stuff. And so here's here's a really cool connection. So okay, <clears throat> Clint Lowry, his brother Corey Lowry, okay. was the bassist of a local band in Cleveland called Switched. And okay, this is late '90s, early 2000s. Okay. The lead singer was Ben Schiegel, who is now owner of Spider mm. Studios. The guitarist was Brad Cockmitt, who just recently departed Nonpoint. Okay. The drummer was Chad oh, Selenga, okay. who was Breaking Benjamin. Yeah, okay. Um, and then Sean May on bass, he just makes basses now. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's really cool how, like, if you... There's these family trees. Yeah. And I've never taken the time to actually make it, but I follow them, and I'm like, mm-hmm. everything can... There's certain groups of people yeah. where everything connects. So that, mm-hmm. you know, what do they say? That's six degrees? So, oh, yeah, uh, separation. Separation, mm-hmm. but it's even less than that. So, yeah. It's nuts, but that's how that's how the music industry is, even not just in one format. Mm-hmm. People just know... Once you're... I feel like once you're in, I mean, like, not underground, you're in, mm-hmm. you kind of just... You, you know somebody who knows somebody or you know somebody. Yep, and there's common threads everywhere. Yeah. So it keeps you on your toes, keeps things interesting, and it keeps people from talking too much shit, you know? Sure. Because okay, you just never know. You got you to gotta, uh, not be a shitbag. Now, I got to ask okay. before we were finished. Okay. Uh, have you ever had, and you don't have to say names or anything like that, but have you ever had an artist or a band come in where there's a undertone, at least, at the very minimal of a, of a label prerogative of... This is what they want us to do. We're kind of taking it in stride. See if you can. Um, that, we got to be real. It, that does exist. It can happen. Mm-hmm. But I think the narrative going in is is making sure they're on the same page before you even start. It's very rare that you will turn something and they're like, this isn't what we wanted. We, okay. we don't want that. I mean, it happens if you don't do the homework to like make sure that people know like hey we're departing a little bit you know 
there, there was like an instance where someone's A and R, their favorite record was the their heaviest record, and they're like, you should do that. It was kind of like, get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not what we're doing. And, but yeah. everyone else at the label was like, yeah, we're on board with this. Like, we, we go for it. And I think most labels are pretty much like, go for it. Okay. And if something's wrong, if it's not hitting right, like they'll say something. At least maybe, maybe it's the format too, because it seems like there's a lot more of a, of a, uh, a lot more you can do in mm-hmm. in in this type of format than maybe pop or alternative. Yeah, I think pop artists deal with that more because they have to hit a home run. Yes. They can't afford not to. So we were listening to Black Keys on Joe Rogan. Okay. And local Akron group, obviously, but they're yeah, yeah. Out, like massive, massive. And they said a story, I don't know if it was them, Ian, or if it was somebody else, but there was a, somebody recorded an entire album and sent it to their label and they were like, no. It like, happened. no. And then they just shelved it forever. It I happens. think it was them. Was it them? I it happens so. all the time. That's just depressing. How much good music has the public not heard? Probably a lot. It, but it, but I would say 99% in the major label world. That's not really an indie label sure. thing. That's not, that's, not their, that's not their business formula. I mean, the label, because they're, a major label is invested, you know, they put 200 grand into something. And if they think there's no way that they're ever going to get their money back, why would they put the extra 200 right. on sure. top? They'd they, they just cut Double their losses right. and not, not put it out at all. That or hasn't make happened you to it. you, has it? No. Because I can't imagine... Especially, imagine working with a band and you're just yeah. like, this is the most amazing record I've ever done. And then... I mean, it happens where you do co-writes with artists and everyone loves it and the label's like, no, we don't pick this one. But I wouldn't say whole albums. Yeah. There's songs. There's just a lot of work, you know? There's songs that, that do that and you're like, man, like, everyone loved this. Now the label doesn't love it. And, that, and then it kind of like tarnishes how people feel about it. You know, I think it's... I think if you're an artist that is impressionable, a label can walk all over oh, you. Absolutely. If you go in with 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 kind of like your your guns blazing and your and your intentions clear, mm-hmm. they they have to get on board. Yeah, you know. But I, I think th- I've seen that in my band is since I do music business for a living. Yeah, and we've we've had conference calls with certain companies where you're like scam, but they don't know that and. Yeah. Luckily enough, we've avoided those things yeah, yeah. And, and, and such, and I think that's that's a big problem. Is and we get back to what you said at the beginning was these bands don't educate themselves mm-hmm. on what is real and what is selling a dream. Yeah, yeah, it's so easy to sell. And some bands just want to be signed so bad that yep. they'll sign the yep. worst situations and get themselves into a hole they can't get out of. Or, mm-hmm. You know, I think the worst one is, is signing a record deal that's so low in money that it's not built to succeed. Yeah, you need capital. You need something you need, to fund you your You need capital. Career. And you need, you know, you need a label for, for either money, mm-hmm. ideas, or pull yeah and if you don't have at least one of the three like okay maybe they don't have any money and uh you know they don't really have any ideas but they know but they know everyone Mm -hmm. it's like all right awesome or like you know they don't really know anyone but they have a fuckload of money and it's like all right we'll take the money and just try you know it's like you have to know what you're getting into so bands listening to this that's your formula. You gotta find one of those at least in the label at least one you I mean the perfect match is someone who has all three right you want someone with connections with money mm-hmm. and with ideas yeah absolutely you know some people just don't have imagination even I, I don't even think just ideas are enough you know because anybody sometimes can they are idea. sometimes so? the right marketing 
blows up. Yeah, but you need money to market. Not necessarily. Not the right idea. I think ideas are important because they're not what you thought of. Yeah. The artist has to pull their weight through all three of those. Yeah. There's no, you can't just check out and be like, all right, you're going to do the rest. I think that also comes with having a good manager. You just need someone that's... Well, that goes across the the team. Yeah. Once the the music is done, then come those aspects. Mm -hmm. You know, unless you can't even get the money to get the song recorded. And this is what I preach to my clients constantly is you, you, everybody in this industry has a role and a purpose there's not there's not a manager who's a promoter who's a publicist who's a booking agent who's all there's not that person because you no one has the amount of hours in a day to be all of those people yeah so you have to understand that a manager is responsible for this a booking agent is responsible for this you know and etc and you need them all to have the success that you're hoping to get yep so any other final questions for Eric, for I think you covered it all. Yeah. All <laughs> right. I stole well, thank again. you for having me. Yeah, fellas. thanks so much. Have a uh, safe trip out to, you said LA? Yeah. Okay, have a safe trip out there. Thank you. Uh, enjoy getting that gold record. Yeah. Where, you know where you're going to put it? No idea. No clue. <laughs> this be something you get home. Maybe in my bathroom. <laughs> that'd be great you'll see it you know what though no, that's where your guests will most like the, that's the room they'll always have yeah. not always have to use but yeah. they'll use frequently so maybe that's not, not a bad idea yeah we'll see cool alright alright man guys. thank you that was a great interview with uh, Eric Ron uh, we've got a lot of other great guests just like him coming up here in the next month or so we have a really solid booked tight schedule uh, coming at you so make sure you subscribe like us on Facebook Join the fan crew on Facebook and the groups. Uh, Rate five stars. Tell your friends. Do whatever because you do not want to miss out on all of the exciting awesomeness that we are here to bring you on a weekly, sometimes bi-weekly basis. Uh, So with that, as always, we're out. 